I think it's really insightful to think about just sitting with the emotion. Like that's a solution. That is the solution. Absolutely. Is experiencing that Thank and you. letting it happen. Yeah, yeah. totally. It, it's an end in and of itself. Yeah. Welcome to Unraveling Pink, a podcast tackling gender bias through conversation. I'm Annie Rogaski. Welcome to the 100th episode of Unraveling Pink. This is a very special episode for a variety of reasons, not least of which is that this is number 100. I did not quite imagine that I would get to 100 episodes, but it's pretty exciting. This also closes out three years of Unraveling Pink. I started this in January 2017. It also closes out this season, and Sam and I wrap up the man box. So we've had two seasons of the man box, and you may hear a little bit more about it in the future, but for now, we are wrapping up this conversation. It is also a very special episode because this is the one-year anniversary of my dad passing away. And I mention that because uh, he was a really big part of me doing this podcast, which I hadn't really appreciated until I started reflecting on his role in my life as a gender ally. I haven't talked a lot about my dad on this podcast because he was a very private person, but he was very special to me. He was my first male role model, my first male ally, my mentor, and my champion. And he wasn't just these things for me. I also saw him play these roles for other people. He worked in a very male-dominated field, agriculture, and he made a particular effort to elevate women and promote women. While he was very supportive of women and equality, he also had his own perspective on it that he learned through trying and sometimes failing. One experience he shared with me early on that really stuck with me was he had gone out of his way to promote women at work and then they would go on maternity leave and decide not to come back. And he found that he had a hard time justifying the effort, the time, the cost, and he got pretty frustrated that he was putting himself out there using his social capital and he was, in his view, getting burned. Thinking of that now, after learning about the man box, I see how he became vulnerable to alpha males in his leadership. He was not an alpha male. He was more in touch with his feelings and emotions than I think most men that he encountered. He was definitely not macho, and I think as a result, he probably suffered for his efforts when he aligned himself with the women in his profession. When the Me Too resurgence happened, he took a hard look at himself and really questioned whether his words or actions in the past may have crossed a line. And I really respected that he did this. I think he beat himself up too much and overcorrected, but I saw in him an acknowledgement that he wasn't perfect and wanting to do right by women. But I think he also 
suffered some uncertainty and vulnerability of, of not knowing what was acceptable anymore and not wanting to hurt women. And so he tended to pull back. And I think of that as the Pence, the Mike Pence rule, which I'm not a fan of, because from my perspective, I saw that as an approach that would only hurt women. But seeing the challenges that my dad faced promoting women in his industry gave me an appreciation of the complexity of gender relations throughout my life. But it was our personal conversations that helped me grow the most. He was always one of my biggest fans and taught me that I could do anything I wanted, certainly anything that boys could do. And I know he was proud of me because he told me often. But he also disagreed with me, and he told me that too fairly often. Because we loved and trusted and respected each other so much, we could talk about topics we disagreed on, usually, and learn from each other even if we didn't convince the other person. He would often tell me that he listened to an Unraveling Pink episode, and he liked some points, but he disagreed with others. Occasionally, he would send me a long email with a story about his experience that illustrated why he disagreed with me. These discussions helped me see that even strong male allies who wanted to promote and support women faltered sometimes, saw the issues differently, had their own experiences to find the lens through which they saw the world, that they were trying, but they weren't perfect, and that was okay. My dad also encouraged me to bring men into the conversation and see them as part of the group to define a path towards gender equality. And because he modeled those conversations with me, it made it easier to have the conversations I've had on this podcast. So his support, his ideas, his challenges continue to live on in every episode I produce. He is one of the audience members I see every time I produce a podcast. Bringing things back to this season, you may recall that I declared a bye week when a recording didn't actually record a few weeks ago, and I shared that Sam and I had a pretty challenging conversation during that recording. That conversation was about a month ago. Sam and I hadn't talked since that conversation until we recorded today's episode. So this episode includes our in-the-moment reflection on that conversation the first time we talked about it and the impact it had on both of us. I don't know if it will seem a little vague because we don't provide a ton of context of what the conversation was, but hopefully you will hear in this conversation how difficult it can be sometimes to tackle these issues, but how important it is to have conversations with someone that you trust and can come back to and talk about the difficult conversations like Sam and I did here. This also wraps up the man box topic, which I think we were both pretty happy to close out. I hope that over the past two seasons, you've learned as much as Sam and I did about the man box and that you start or continue conversations with someone of another gender about their experience. I really think this is the key to moving gender equality forward, and it will take all of us having those conversations. So with that, here's my conversation with Sam. I did a talk on the man box as a practice. Okay. When is your conference? It's in March. 
I used a clip that went over really well. Like the room was totally silent. I didn't even have good amplification of it. Dead silence in the room. They loved hearing your perspective. It was, I edited my part out because it was when you said, women, you are so lucky because you get to express emotion and all this stuff. And I was like, we're not lucky, Sam. There's so many reasons we're you not lucky. You edited like, that part mm, out? I took it out, yeah. Because you, you, you've thought about it and don't believe that anymore or? I, well, for a few reasons. Um, yeah. One, I wanted them to hear your voice and not mine. Okay. And yeah, I reflected a lot on our last recording slash not recording because it didn't record. Um, and it was really interesting for me to, to hear that. And I was like, no, why are you making this about you? And it was this realization for me that I think... I know for myself and maybe for a lot of women, we have been fighting for just being heard and just being equal that yeah. it's a relatively new realization for me that there's this all these restrictions on men for how mm. they can show up. Uh. And I think it was hard to get to the point of, oh, okay, those are legitimate emotions and feelings that I should be validating and hearing. And I ask men to listen to us and hear our experiences. And you were expressing something in that moment that I, I could feel the resistance to. Like, no, you don't get it, Sam. It's us. We're the ones who have the issue, not you. And, yeah. and that's not what was going on in that moment. That's good to hear. And I, I, I can understand how hearing, after everything that we've talked about and everything that you've talked about on this podcast... To hear women, you're so lucky, from a man, <laughs> I understand that reaction, that knee jerk, you know, like it's almost this, like your, your, your dukes are always up, yeah. you know, and it's like, and I was speaking not on behalf of men, I'm like, on behalf of men, we want to tell you women that y'all are lucky because you can <laughs> express emotions. No, this is just me to you yeah. or me to women. To women, yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate you saying that because, yeah, that was, that's how it felt, you know, mm -hmm. that there was lines getting crossed. We understand how easily that can happen. I mean, it happens in little ways or in big ways in every, every episode. Every time we talk mm -hmm. about stuff, like there are things that we get just kind of triggered by because we've been conditioned to get in almost into this defensive mode to protect, you know, what we believe and our own experience. And, um, I think kind of at the end of this journey, I just, that, that was important for me to express because I, I don't know if jealous is the right term, but I wish that men could have a similar experience and be allowed to have that experience. So... Yeah, thank you for saying that. Yeah, well, it it struck me. There are experiences on both sides. Mm -hmm. And the more we've talked about this over the past two seasons, I think my thinking has evolved around the gender discussion. I always approached it as women have been discriminated against, so let's correct that. Mm. And 
the more we talk about this and the more I think about it and read about it and talk with other people about it and preparing for this talk, I was thinking a lot about, well, what am I asking people to do and what is the problem here? It's the way that we have uh, trained men to present themselves or exist or be in the world has an impact on women. And that impact, I think, is what we're feeling, um, not just because of the patriarchy and all that, but because of the particular trainings that we've had. And so it's, there's always an action and reaction. And to me, it feels like it's two sides of the same coin, that there are things that we could do on both sides to get to a better place. And one of the things that I asked people to do in this talk was to have conversations and listen without putting their own issues out there. Mm. I was talking to a room of women, so I was saying, women, go talk to men. And basically, don't do what I did. Don't jump in and say, but no, we're not lucky because we have all these issues. But just listen to what the experiences of men are because mm. that's what I've been asking men to do is go talk to women and listen to their experiences. And I think the same advice stands for women. Go talk to men and hear about their experiences. Yeah. But do it without that lens of having felt discriminated against for your whole life, which is a hard thing to do. Right. To, to let go of that. I can, just I can, listen I can, with I, can I can only imagine. Yeah. 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 And then the other advice I gave was to keep talking. And I felt like since our last uh, uh, episode that didn't go all that great, I was like reluctant to come back and sit down and talk more. And I was like, no, I need to keep talking. I, th I think that last conversation was a bit of a breakthrough and talking like this I mean, that's the result of that breakthrough. I mean, we, we, I think we had been talking about this stuff for so long and going in and out of speaking on behalf of ourselves mm -hmm. and trying to speak on behalf of our gender. That gets muddy yeah. at times. And obviously I knew we were going to come back and discuss this, whether it was here being recorded or... Um, you know, grabbing coffee or something like that. And I was, I was hoping, I was waiting for that to happen. You know, I wanted that to happen. It's interesting after having spoken about all these issues and how well we know each other, that even then we can kind of step on these little landmines with one another, you know, <laughs> and we're still discovering stuff about one another. Mm -hmm. And um, you mentioned, you know, allow allow a man to um, express what they're feeling, not what they're thinking, but what they're feeling. And that's a, it's a, a very important distinction because I think a lot of men take their feelings and then they it just goes through that filter. Whatever feeling we're having gets filtered out and we, we present it in a way that maybe gets at just a small percentage of what we're actually feeling. And that's not communication at all. That's packaging up something that we don't really want you to, to know. I guess my point is that it, it, it's very hard to talk about feelings, full stop. 
within that, if, if, if someone, a man is, is talking about their feelings, it's as vulnerable as they can be. And like you said, if there's a provocation or if you kind of um, um, intercept the ball and mm-hmm. say, but no, wait, mm-hmm. the way, and I, this is a general statement, I think the way men are built, any provocation, the, the, um, the gates close automatically. And I think that's what happens yeah. in that conversation. I was like, at a pretty vulnerable point mm-hmm. and you, you challenged something and I was like, I'm not, I'm not in a space where that, that I feel that that could be challenged, you know? Yeah. And I know we're being ambiguous about this and it wasn't as big as, you know, we're making it out to be, but it was, um, an interesting conversation. And I know that you were, you were, um, a bit sad that that recording was lost. And I think both of us were like, man, we're not, we're not putting this one out. No, no. way. <laughs> but after the dust settled, we were yeah. thinking there, there were probably as interesting as anything we've ever talked about. There were probably segments of that, that we could have put forth. And just as an example of like, see, watch and listen, or listen to this happen in real time. Because it was as raw as we've ever been. Yeah. And um, that's a scary, that's a scary thing. And I think we left that night being like, I don't ever want to go back into that space. But I think that's the space that we need to inhabit more, you know, because it is uncomfortable. And it didn't take long to to feel like I I felt that our friendship and what we've done here has is is been much more rewarding because of that last conversation because we entered that space you know Mm -hmm. because we've been talking around it for a long time and we finally just kind of in an unedited version i mean we edit this here and there after we talk about it but uh while we're talking about it in real time we're editing what we're saying and there were real segments there where we weren't editing anything and we were calling each other out on and you know it just yeah so for what it's worth, yeah, I'm glad to be back and to, um, you know, talk about this and kind of unpack that last, yeah. that last uh, session. Yeah, I, I share a lot of your perspective of that and how you described it. Um, and I was really disappointed to lose it because I wanted, if nothing else, to be able to go back and listen to it and let you go back and listen to it, you know, share it with you. Yeah, I don't think either of us... I, I wasn't ready to listen to it. I was not ready. Like for... I don't think I was ready until this week to to like talk more about it. Yeah. Like it, I, it was very impactful and very raw. And yeah. You you said it's not as explosive as we made. We're making it out to be. I felt like it was. And I think your your description was explosive in the sense that like we weren't yelling at each other or anything like that. I just want to no. frame this in a way that right, like right. you know we weren't like pointing yeah. fingers at one another and we have. Yeah, more respect for one another yeah. to do that. Nor would we do that to anyone. I don't think. Yeah, and it, it, I think I think that's right. It's um, I don't know. It was it was like within the boundaries of the respect that we have for each other, we were pushing those boundaries. Mm. Like we were being, I think, as honest as we've ever been. And you're right. We self edit quite mm-hmm. a bit. Um, and now there was no self editing. Yeah, and I think part of it and I did go back later and think maybe that would have been something to release not not just pieces here and there but the almost whole the whole thing, thing. Yeah. because it was a hard conversation mm-hmm. and a lot came out of it that upon reflection I was really glad it came out because it gave me things to think about and 
and caused a little bit of humility of how I've approached this and the mistakes I've made along the way. And I think that's important for people to see that we make mistakes as we do this. Yeah. And then we come back and, and that's not, that's not the end of it. No. And I hope you didn't think that that was going to be the end of it. And, and I, I think my, sure. my absence and my silence, I'm sure spoke volumes, you know? Yeah. My explanation for that is that I wanted to wait until we were together. I didn't want to do do it over text. I cannot do that, you know, because so much gets misconstrued and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, So that's why, you know, like I I, I knew I knew we were going to talk. I just wanted to talk in person, you know, whether it be here or elsewhere. You know, the other thing that I recognized from that. I did not have a good day that day. And we recorded at night, which we don't normally do. Mm. And we had some wine. And I think all those factors <laughs> were not a good place for me. Tired. Especially, yeah. the yeah, the tired, not having a good day. And I was, I felt like I was punchy and somewhat intolerant. Like, yeah. I don't want to hear excuses. I just want to, like, move forward. Mm. And I think that came out in how I approached our conversation. I don't yeah. think I was as empathetic and open as I want to be. Interesting. Yeah, I think in that space, I was quite the opposite. I was in a more vulnerable space because it was at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I was tired. I had a glass of wine, you know. So I think my vulnerable um, like my shields were down and I was, uh, more vulnerable in that moment, in that space at that time than I had been in, in previous recordings. And I think we just, just missed each other. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been amazing if I hadn't been such a spaz. (laughs) No, you're, you're human, you know, you are human. And this is advice that I should be giving myself like every minute of every minute of every day, but like can't be so hard on yourself, you know, and coming from me, I mean, I'm so hard on myself about everything, yeah, you know, too. and, and coming away from that conversation, I was like, man, I hope I, I hope that didn't leave a mark, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't know how you processed it afterwards, you know? Yeah. Um, I was, I was worried. I was like, Hey, yeah, yeah. Like, I hope we find our way back to, you know, I had hope, but yeah. I, I just don't know, you know. I felt I felt exactly the same way. Yeah. And it's weird to, I think we do this a lot when we have conversations with other people and um, not necessarily as significant as this one was or as in-depth as this one was, but um, where we think, oh, that didn't particularly go well or I wish I had done something differently. And when you're not talking with a person about it and you're just in your head. <sighs> Rough. Yeah, you're thinking... Worst case. Yeah, I was wondering, are we ever going to talk again? And I was working through it, and I was like, I'm really glad this conversation happened. Yeah. Um, And I don't know how to make this less ambiguous for our listeners, um, but we... we, I think the more we talk about it, the more ambiguous. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, I can't see a whole lot of men really taking stock of themselves. And um, not just that, but joining up with other men in any form mm-hmm. and bridging the gap, as I know women are currently doing and have been doing for a long, long time. 
and you know men are the ones in power and a lot of them think well if it's not broken don't fix it you know and mm -hmm. if by bridging this gap are we allowing ourselves to be vulnerable and vulnerable being a weakness and don't turn your back because you'll get a knife in your back by somebody who doesn't believe in bridging gaps and um, it's super complex and complicated and it's um, I think I was kind of speaking in those terms and I, I didn't want to unravel everything you've ever spoken about on this podcast that we've spoken about. I'm sure that's how it landed. Kind of like I remember you saying like, well, then what are we doing here? Like, what are we doing? And um, at that point I was like, okay, well, I, I think the, the distinction between myself and my opinion and the opinion of all men, you know, mm -hmm. kind of might've gotten confused there. And um, I started feeling like the foil, you know, I think I might have mentioned that, like, I just don't want to feel like I'm the foil in all of this, you know, because I know I've said some stuff that have probably triggered some people listening. And that's not my intention, obviously. And everybody's got different triggers. I had to kind of be as honest as I could be about, like, the prognosis of all of this. Because yeah. I've always said, we have to catch them early, get them young, get them young. And that becomes a tired talking point because it's just like, what else can we do other than that? And I know you're like, you got to give me something. It's doing stuff like this, having these, these, these conversations and have it going out to however many people are listening. Um, beyond that, I know you've encouraged me to attend. There are conferences out there and groups. Um, and as, as, as much as I am open to to that prospect just initiating that and doing it and showing up and walking in and opening mm -hmm. my mouth and speaking yeah i'd rather go to the dentist you know to be honest <laughs> <laughs> yeah hearing you put it that way there's a lot of a lot of hurdles to get over to get into that room yeah, yeah. but i it comes back to how important is this to you and being the father of two boys, it's very important to me. And it's not about me anymore. That, I think, is my guiding light. That if I don't fix this with myself, what example am I going to be as a father to them? Mm. What I hope they see is a father that has emotions, that doesn't second-guess them, allows them to have their emotions and not try to reroute those emotions into prescriptive solutions. You know, I felt like that was... A, much of my childhood like don't feel that way like what you need to do is go into uh, go into the office and tell them like blah blah and I'm like I just need a pat on the head mm. and a hug you know because without that we and men don't have a true sense of who they are what emotions are valid and that is a terribly destructive way to go through life to not feel that you're entitled to feel the way you feel yeah. beyond the anger and the male traits of like, well, this is, you know, I could get upset and yell and scream and do all that stuff. Um, but to reflect on something or have a, a situation and, and come to tears and allow other people to be a part of that, you know, um, I just, it's just being on an, an emotionless island. You know, I don't want to really overstate that because I have a lot of love in my life and people in my life, mm -hmm. you included, that I can talk this way to um, so I'm incredibly fortunate. But having said that, like all my emotions go through this hit a brick wall first and I'm left with 
like picking up the pieces and trying to make sense of it rather than just being like, well, that was that 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 emotion was valid. Like, I, I know why I felt that. Um, and if I need help, I'm going to talk to somebody about it and, and try to make sense of it before it hits the wall. But it's just I'm telling you, it'll be a struggle my entire life to feel what I'm feeling and not feel like I'm being less of a man. Something you said there uh, made me flash back to a lot of our conversations, which was you said something about wanting to just feel the emotion and not have have to think about solutions to it, mm. which is what I've been forcing this entire time. Because <laughs> I hate the solutions part. Yeah, I'm like, oh boy. Yeah, you've told me that, and and the last time we were we we were together, that came out as like. You keep pushing me towards solutions and I'm not ready to talk about solutions yet. And my pressing on that was because that was just one of the parts of the podcast that I've always tried to do is offer solutions. But I think it's really insightful to think about just sitting with the emotion. Like that's a solution. That is the solution. Absolutely. Is experiencing that Thank and you. letting it happen. Yeah, yeah. totally. It, it's an end in and of itself. Yeah. That so much growth could happen just from that. Yeah. I mean, it's a muscle that um, men have not been conditioned to work very often. And um, it is a weak, weak muscle in most all of us. To exercise that is to allow yourself to say what it is you feel, not what you think. Forget about what you think, because, I mean, it's so muddled at this point. Getting to the bottom of whatever the feeling was, yeah, that's that's working the muscle, and we're just not very familiar with that. It just seems so foreign doesn't even get close to what it feels like. It's, it's uh, kryptonite. It's absolute kryptonite. Like we're walking around with a kryptonite medallion or whatever, like hanging around our neck. We need to take off in some way, shape, or form with someone, anyone. But it's tough because that kryptonite protects us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the fear is that I don't know if I could walk through life feeling that way. That, that that open and that vulnerable, like how do you go to work and how do you do the things that you need to do mm-hmm. in life being that wide open, Yeah. right? Yeah. And, you know, we have tools and different um, things that we call upon throughout the day and different faces that we show to different people in different contexts. Yeah, I think that's where the fear comes from, where I'm like, I don't want that feeling, you know? Um, and... I think going through life completely wide open and vulnerable and all that, who knows? I need to pull some of that with me each day. You know, not all of it, but just Mm -hmm. acknowledge that it's there and that's a side of myself. It's the other side of the coin that uh, is too easily flipped. And I don't think a lot of it needs to be outwardly expressed. You know, it's just the feeling that I carry with me throughout the day. You know, just that... Um, that balance between the two things of like you have tools that can help you defend yourself and get through a day or a presentation or whatever it is but not ignoring completely the other side yeah even talking about it now I'm like 
I can, my, the man box of myself is like, don't say it, you know, like, you know, feelings, you know, that I have those feelings, that they're valid, that they're not always fully formed and, um, that's okay. Um, yeah, like I'm already feeling like, like the, um, uh, pressure to not like talk about that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Isn't that weird? It happens every time we talk about this yeah. stuff. Like I, I, I go, I go out into the forest. I'm like, oh, I've gone too far. I need to go back. You know, <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those moments where I'm like, what am I talking about? At least the, yeah, that side of myself is like, Sam, shut up. Because again, like I don't have um, too many other people to compare this to, right? Yeah. So I don't know, like any men are listening if you are hello um, <laughs> there are i know I there's just, some i don't know um if they're listening to this being like yeah i i, I get that or mm -hmm. if they're you know what i mean i just don't know if it's a complete one-off and that's when i start to pull back because i'm like maybe i'm just like speaking on behalf of myself and that it's not a shared experience and um that's when i i pull back you know, and that's part of me questioning, are these feelings valid? Because nobody, like growing up, very few people acknowledge them to be valid. So I'm just constantly questioning, like, God, am I the only one who feels this way? Wow. That is like you're on an island. Yeah. I can tell you that you're not because I talk with other men about their feelings and have conversations not quite like this, but have conversations with them. And I've heard about the little hip checks from other men that keep mm -hmm. you in line if you go too far astray. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, your experience is not unique. I mean, you're unique. You're, you, you're, you, you're your unique self. Did I it's say a, that right? It's a bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> when I see different men having that same experience and wondering if they're the only ones it makes me want to connect these little islands through bridges mm -hmm. so that you can see that there are others out there to talk with but yeah. it's hard if you don't have a relationship like just the fact that i know somebody else doesn't mean that you would want to sit down and talk with that person yeah Thank you for the sentiment of, you know, like I, you want to bring people together to share that. Um, and again, I might just be speaking on, uh, you know, for myself, but um, having somebody do that, be the conduit for that, like, is unsettling for mm -hmm. me as a man. Be like, well... I don't need somebody else to do this mm, for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll do it for myself. Or I'll, I'll not do it for myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's that's the conundrum. Yeah, I think there's a lot of factors like that that make this so difficult. Mm -hmm. Like the whole concept of masculinity makes it hard to reach out to other men. Yeah. And makes it hard to talk about feelings. Because we don't want to be led to water. We don't want to be led to water. No. We want to find it ourselves. Yeah. Many men, including myself, are, are cautious to go because I don't know if other men want to hear it, you know, or how it will right. be received. And I have to get over that. I just have to say, look, 
if, if I'm not going to acknowledge my own feelings and emotions, like how can I expect somebody else to, you know, like I'm, I'm projecting onto other people, like my own misgivings and fears, you know, which I need to stop doing, let it play out the way it's going to play out. And that's see how that feels risky though. It's relinquishing all the control in this house of cards that I've built for myself, you know? So we, I think both agreed that we've, we've beat the man box horse to death and we're ready to close this chapter. Is there anything as you reflect back that you want to talk about or are you like ready to not ever say the man box ever again? You should have asked me at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. It would have been a short episode. Well, I'm done. I'm out of here. There are no solutions. <laughs> <laughs> I think the last recorded episode that we put out and the epiphany that I had and, and part of the motivation of why I come here is, um, and I've always said that, you know, I hate a bully and, and all that. And it just occurred to me that like the reason why I'm doing this is because I, I felt bullied into being someone that I probably might not have been had it not been for those influences. I just lament the, the influences that pulled me away from the emotional authenticity that I know I had growing up and I still have deep down. Um, but what was placed in its stead was, um, parts of myself that I know I need to work on that I'm not completely, um, happy with as part of reflections. Um, I need to retain that as much as possible. And, and part of that is, is being mindful of that every day and just, um, try to coach myself into saying what needs to be said or not saying something that is just coming from a place I know isn't the healthiest part of myself, you know, being less on autopilot and more present and mindful. And through that, I think I'll get to a point where I can have these conversations with other men. Um, but I think I need to seek that out independently. And from that, who knows what will come, but it's a lot better than being on that Island. This has been a really fascinating experience for me and has completely changed my thinking on gender bias and equality because I, for decades, saw, it, saw the, the question of gender equality as a really a men keeping women down kind of thing. Like that's how I approached it, how I came to that discussion. This process has helped me see that there's more to it and that I've always said we need men to be part of the solution. But when I said that in the past, I was thinking about the fact that men are in more leadership positions and so to have a solution in the workplace in particular you need the leadership to be behind that for it to be successful but I now realize that's just a piece of it and that the other part of it is that there are a lot of different layers of equality and 
for a lot of those layers were not the winners of that mm-hmm. equation. But it's not 100% that the emotional authenticity and expression that you pointed out that we're lucky that we have is the flip side of that, that you all have ways that you're not equal to women. It just happens to be that that's not what society values, but... Wow, yeah. But the fact that there is, I think, growth on both sides, learning on both sides, blame on both sides, if we want to talk about blame, like, it's a problem that we've created together and a problem we have to solve together. And I think the challenge I've had personally and that I suspect a lot of women will have will be to put our woes on hold and hear someone else's, especially when the people we're listening to have the privilege in our perspective on this issue. Um, But that's totally changed how I think about the stuff. I'm not always, I don't get it right a lot of the time. (laughs) But um, it's a more nuanced, more complex issue than I believed it to be a year ago. That's well said. Yeah. These are hard conversations to have. Mm-hmm. And they're humbling and they're frustrating sometimes, but but overall definitely worth it. Yeah. That's the first step for men. Just if at one point you do want to have a conversation or get something off your chest or speak in a different way and try to make sense of all of this, just identify who you can do that with, you know? When the time comes, and there will be a time where you're going to need it, desperately need it, um, you'll have a short list of people that you can go to. And knowing that naturally you're going to feel a bunch of different feelings, relief and regret. Hmm. Relief that, like, oh, my God, that felt so good just to say and, like, you know, to feel my way through that rather than think my way through it. And then the regret, and you've heard me do it so many times. I'm like, God, I regret saying that, you know? Or my inner dialogue is like, what are you talking about, you know? Mm -hmm. Is there, as you reflect back, maybe if you think about a, like, I think of a judicial scale, but I guess it could just be a scale. If you put relief on one side and regret on the other, does one outweigh the other? Oh, yeah, relief. Absolutely. So it's net positive. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I've always had to balance that, you know. Nobody wants to feel regret. The point being is that it's it's not going to be uh, painless Mm -hmm. or simple. Mm I mean, it's complicated and you're going to feel um, a bunch of different emotions that you may not be prepared to feel. And one of them, one big one, is uh, shame and regret. 
I only say that because I wouldn't want somebody to feel that and be like, well, I'm never talking about that again, you yeah. know? And yeah. coming back and doing this is me, like, taking a week to kind of get over that feeling. Mm. Or let, let it kind of subside and let the dust settle and be like, you know, it, it is a relief to come here and talk about this stuff, however hard. And just knowing that I'm going to come away scratching my head be like, a, I don't remember what I talked about. B, when I hear it, like, you know, when I listen to it, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Why did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's harder to have these conversations when they're being recorded put, put yeah. out there as opposed to just having a conversation with somebody. Yeah. Um, but it, it, that's a really good thing for, I think, people to hear and to remember is that I don't I don't think women have that same prohibition on us or barrier mm-hmm. that it, maybe because we talk about this stuff so much maybe because we have the freedom to talk about our emotions and mm-hmm. how we're feeling and but I I mean I regret some of the things I not regret you know I I I don't always like the things that I say but we're putting it out there for a reason but I don't feel that shame and regret for having had the conversation mm. or for sharing certain things. And I think that's a freedom that women in particular have more than men. And it's a good thing for us to keep in mind as we have these conversations that there's an imbalance on the level of difficulty of having these conversations due to experience and just our position. Yeah. What's expected and what's allowed. What's allowed. Yeah. For women, like, would you allow the men, in, the man in your life, or the men in your life? How would your impression change of them? Because mm. it's just not how we feel about ourselves after having said stuff and talked about deeper things. But we also worry about how that lands with the women in our life. You know, are we still the great protector? You know, are we still the 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 man that you you married or um, are friends with or how does that perception change and be honest with yourself like how would that perception change Mm -hmm. would you see it as a weakness you know okay that's it's it might be a scary thing like they don't have it all together as we we thought they did yeah i think that's a really good point Mm -hmm. because we we worry about that yeah you know and we don't want the perception to change yeah we we want to know that it will be um, met with some understanding. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we don't say what we want to say and feel what we want to feel. Yeah. I, I believe it. That, that makes a lot of sense. And I think part of it is that women also are steeped in the patriarchy and expectations of men. and And that's a really good point. We have to be open to... If we are having those conversations, how does that color our perception of that person? Mm-hmm. And recognize that there are societal pressures on us to view that a certain way, and that we need to be able to step out of that. Oh man, so many things to think about. Mm-hmm. Very complex. We should do another season. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> 
I really appreciate you having these conversations with me. I know that it's been different for you than for me, harder in some ways. And uh, I appreciate your openness and honesty. And I have received many, many comments from our listeners who also appreciate it. So thank you. I appreciate you having me. And um, yeah, I thank everyone who's listened to this that's gotten anything out of it and just kind of listening to me ramble at times. And yeah, I want to thank you as well. It wasn't easy, but I'm a better man for it. So that wraps up this season. I have already been thinking about the spring season and have some thoughts. No teasers yet, but I hope you come back for more conversations on Unraveling Pink. In the meantime, let me know if you have any feedback by email at unravelingpink at gmail.com. Message me on Twitter at Unraveling Pink. I would love to get more reviews on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you listen. So please take a minute or two and review or rate Unraveling Pink. It helps move us up and be heard more. Thank you, as always, for listening and for joining Sam and I on the Man Box journey.